Hello, Sharon. Uh, Sharon Bracken, this is Gail Cutler from uh, the Rebecca's Dream Family Center uh, through DBSA. And you and I are going to have time to discuss this magnificent book that you have written called Eli the Bipolar Bear. Welcome to uh, the Rebecca Dream Family Center podcast. Oh, thank you, Gail. It's very nice to have a conversation with you and talk about my story. And beginning uh, right with your story, Sharon, would you please tell our listening audience how you came to write this beautiful book? I, I, I wrote the book about Eli the Bipolar Bear because I have a child, Eli, um, who was diagnosed with bipolar disorder when he was nine years old. Um, we found there was something unique about him. I have I have three children. Um, I actually have four children now, but at the time I had three, and Eli was just, he had more extreme behavior than my other children, and at times it was very scary and uncontrollable, and I didn't know really how to manage it. I started taking him to a psychologist when he was seven just to find out what was going on with him. And by the time he was nine, we'd been through enough therapy and sessions. They did uh, psychological screenings, and they determined that he had bipolar disorder. Um, as a parent and an educator, I went out and looked for every resource that I possibly could for my son to help him understand what he was going through. And there were no children's books available for children with bipolar disorder. I found that there were plenty of resources available for adults and parents <clears throat> excuse me, about bipolar disorder, but there was nothing for the children. So they, they needed to understand, I think, um, what it was that bipolar disorder entailed and, and what people were talking about when they were referring to him as having bipolar disorder. Um, so in looking for a resource for him and finding nothing, I had to do what what probably any other parent would have to do is create a resource and help educate her child. So I wrote the story, Eli the Bipolar Bear, and um, had it illustrated and got it published because it's, it has become something that other other people can use, I think, in, in helping their children or children that they work with understanding this disorder. Absolutely. It is, it's truly a wonderful book. Now, uh, Eli was nine when this all began. How old That's is he right. today? He is 16 right now. And was he along with you when you – what I mean to say is uh, did he approve of the writing of the book? Was he a, an active participant in the writing of the book? How did he feel about it? Um, at the beginning, he was, he was pretty interested. He was excited because I was, I was giving him a lot of attention because he said, oh, you're writing a book about me, and, you know, I want to, I want to talk about it. And So he went out, and he was pretty excited about the book itself, and my mother made a costume that looked like the character in the book, and he would wear it when I would go and talk to people. And he was open, and he was interviewed by others about what bipolar disorder was and what he was feeling, and he felt very important. He felt very unique and individual and special. Um, he has gone through a number of phases since then where he feels like, I don't want people to know this about me. I don't want you to tell people about me. Um, and on the other hand, if five minutes later he'll say, this is really cool. You guys should read my book. Maybe you'll help understand what this is, what's going on. So he goes back and forth about how he feels about it. Um, but initially his feeling was, this is great, and it's about me, and I want people to understand what I'm going through. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Does he go out on speaking tours with you now at 16? <laughs> um, he doesn't. He doesn't now, but um, he is he is considering now that the book is out again. I, I had a, a initially published the book in 2003, a different version. It's the same story but different illustrations and very short, small print run. 
Um, and that's when he was really into it. And now as he's getting older, um, he, he, he wavers in what he wants to do. There are days where he really wants to be involved in it, and there are other days where he doesn't want anyone else to know. It sounds like a typical 16-year-old. Yes, it does. <laughs> wavering back and forth. <laughs> I have a, a prototype copy of the book in front of me. I do not yet have the uh, the uh, real copy. I, I think you mentioned that you were uh, launching the book. That, is it this coming weekend, May 17th? Uh, yes, Sunday, May 17th. I'm, I'm doing a book launching here in Norfolk, Virginia from 1 to 4 p.m., and we're going to be... I've got two books that I'm highlighting, but one of them is Eli the Bipolar Bear, and we'll be displaying the books and reading the books, and I've got some specialists coming in to talk about bipolar disorder, and we will have a panel discussion about it as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a very important question for you. How will people be able to locate your book? Our books are, I listed them this morning on Amazon.com. The books have just come in, so I, I have the hard copy in my hand. I'm very excited about it. The um, I posted them on Amazon.com this morning. They say it takes sometimes up to 24 hours for the listing to show up. When I looked before I got on the phone, I saw that my old listing from 2003 was still up there. So there, there will be two versions. So if anyone's listening to this, I would like them to know that the 2009 version is available, and we do have plenty of books in stock. It is also available through the Elijah Foundation website. It's theelijahfoundation.org. Um, there's a link for Child Heroes Publishing, and anyone can link onto that and click an order form and mail a form in and, um, and receive the books that way as well. Wonderful. I think that uh, information is important enough that uh, we should repeat it uh, toward the end of our discussion today. Sure. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, I would like to go into the body of the book. As I said, I have a prototype copy in front of me, so I don't have pages. Uh, but what I would like, I'm going to ask you to do something for me, long sure. distance. I am looking at, first of all, the illustrations are fantastic. Oh, thank uh, you. Our illustrator from California, he's wonderful. He's, he's going to be illustrating a few more books for us. Does he know about mental health issues? How, how did his illustrations uh, take, the, take on the life that, that they did? Um, I don't know what his, his, he's a graphic artist by trade. I told him that expression was the key to illustrating any of my stories and that he really had to capture the feeling of the characters as he read through the story itself, and I think he's done just that. Oh, he has. They're, they're absolutely wonderful. Were there any changes made from the copy that I have to the final uh, no, none of the illustrations or words have changed since then. The only thing that's been added are the front pages and... Um, there's a forward that was put in and um, some, some other additional, I guess, formatting pages. Okay. I, would you mind if uh, I asked you to read some of the uh, copy? Oh, I don't mind at all. Okay. This is the page that I'm looking at. It's uh, across from the wonderful picture of uh, Eli and his friends with their hockey sticks. Oh, yes. He's wearing a red shirt with a number yes. seven on it. Number seven, right. <laughs> and it starts out with Eli was happier. Sure. Would you mind reading that paragraph for us? I, I think it's just uh, illustrative of the nature of your book and how beautifully written it is. Oh, thank you. Okay. Eli was always happier, sadder, and angrier than the other bears around him. His moods would change so quickly that it was sometimes frightening. So the other polar bears were confused about Eli. His teachers, friends, and family could not understand why Eli was so happy and full of energy some of the time and so grumpy and sad or even really mean the rest of the time. 
For me, I, I wish that I had had this book <laughs> and these words when I was raising my Rebecca. Uh, way back then, of course, there was absolutely nothing. Uh, you found difficulty. Well, for me, it was uh, parents like uh, me. There was a, it was a vast wasteland when it came to children and mental health issues. And in fact, it was really a mother who was blamed for, for everything. Wow. So here you have it right in black and white that uh, Eli had emotions going on inside of him that were very difficult uh, for him to understand and for others to understand as well. And I, I want to give you a personal yay and thank you. Uh, oh, thank you all, so much. All of those uh, coming up who who now will have something that they can, uh, a parent uh, can refer to, a teacher can refer to, a child uh, in particular can refer to. Well, look, here it says right in the book, this is what I'm feeling. And even when children cannot put words uh, attached to their feelings, don't you find it much easier to go to a resource? And I, say, I well, look resources, yes. I, I look books for everything when... Um, in my past, I've worked with families and children in a number of different venues, and for me, it's much easier for a child to have a tangible object that is talking about what they're going through, regardless of their issue. And, and, it, and it could be anything. It could be that they don't like the freckles on their face. It could be that they're a little overweight. But to have some kind of a book that's going to relate to what they're going through helps a child understand, and it gives them something to, to grasp hold of and say, okay, somebody else is going through the same thing that I am. It's not just me. Yes, I, I just think that's so important. And I can see, and my vision is that your book is going to be uh, in uh, not only the libraries in school, it should be in school book uh, libraries, but also on um, nightstands, children's nightstands, and on a parent's uh, nightstand to, to grab when something is going on and you need an explanation. Oh, thank you. I hope it is. I hope it is. Uh, I, I, I just have that, that vision. I have another uh, this, I think, is very, very important uh, in the body of the book with the uh, wise old bear. And the page that I'm looking at is the wise old bear wearing his nose pins glasses and Eli uh, sitting together looking at a book. Okay. All right. And uh, the, the part of the wise old bear, I'm believing you're writing about a therapist? Yes, I am. Okay. And to state... That clearly, as a wise old bear, I think brings great comfort for children and for parents alike because so many folks are afraid of the word therapist, counselor, doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist, psychopharmacologist. But the wise old bear is just so dear and and warm and fuzzy. Oh, I think he is warm and comfortable looking. And I think he's, in a polar bear world, he's more of a grandfather type figure and that's how he's supposed to be portrayed, so the child feels comfortable and feels like he can approach um, the wise old bear. And um, I, I do. I feel like someone could, could – could, he's not wearing a lab coat. He doesn't look like a doctor, per se. No. He no, looks like a grandfather and somebody that could be nurturing. Yes, and you label in the label. Again, I'm going to hit home on this one, the wise old bear. I love that wise old bear that gives him gravitas. <laughs> would you mind, I, I'm, I'm going to impinge on your very good nature, uh, would you mind reading the, the paragraph that's across from that uh, lovely illustration of the wise old bear and Eli that starts with the wise old bear said that these challenges. Okay. 
Did you want just that paragraph, or did you want both paragraphs on that page? Let's go for both. I think they're fantastic. Okay, thank you. I will. The wise old bear said that these challenges were not Eli's fault. He said that sometimes when bear cubs are born, certain parts of the brain don't work well together. And if the parts are not working well like they should, a little polar bear might have confusing changes in mood. Because of these moods that are really up or really down, a polar bear might have some problems at home, in school, and with friends. Polar bear cubs that have really up moods and really down moods like Eli are called bipolar bears. His friends and family cannot get sick because of it, but it can be unsafe and upsetting for others if Eli does not get help. That's phenomenal. Just phenomenal. Uh, how long did it take you to put those two paragraphs together? What was your, what was going on in, in your own head as a writer? Well, you know, when I, when I wrote this book, it was more of an epiphany. I woke up in the middle of the night and said, I just, I was so frustrated with trying to get a resource. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I wrote the book out, the whole book from beginning to end. Um, I didn't go through probably what most authors do and write out an outline and, and think about what to say. I just wrote his story out and what we had gone through and his experience. And then I went through and edited these, these things out. But what, what I came to was trying to help children understand that it's not their fault. And when people call them bad or mean, it's not that. And I want them to understand that it's something that's going on inside of him that he can't control without help and that nobody else can get it and that it's not scary for anyone. I mean, it's scary if he gets if he's not doing what he's supposed to do as far as getting help. But um, receiving the help was very important. And I think I was just trying to get to the point that all children, if they're going through this, they really need to consistently receive some help so that they can move forward. And how important this is for the caretakers, the parents, family, the absolutely, family, absolutely, I've, teachers, all those folks in this child's life. How many times did you hear, Sharon? I know we heard it from those who loved my daughter most of all. Oh, you're just spoiled. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. For heaven's sake, you've got everything. What's the matter with you? Et cetera, et cetera. I got all of that as well, and I'd say, can you just tell him to stop it? Can you just make him behave? Right. And I, I'd say, you know, doing the best I can to make him behave. You know, I, yes. I can't be with him 24-7. And once I got this book, the first edition of this book, out to his teachers, the attitude and the tone of the school changed. Absolutely. They started to understand, okay, this is what he's going through. The problem was they didn't understand what bipolar disorder was, mm-hmm. and they weren't going to sit down and read the 300-page thick book that's available to adults right. to understand the disorder. Having them read a 32-page children's book brought them to terms with what they needed what they needed to do for this child and what he was going through. And I this think simple uh, book helped them understand how to move forward. Yes, and and you know I, what I'm going to say is going to sound facetious, but I actually mean it. I think that those of us living with, taking care of, raising uh, our loved ones uh, with uh, bipolar disease should carry this book on our person all the time. Uh, because how many how many times have we been in public settings and social settings when there's a trigger for our child, for our our loved one? It, it could be anyone within the family. It could be anywhere, and it could be anything. It could be an amusement park. It could be a restaurant. Right. It could be and, anywhere. And, and I agree with what you're saying because people don't understand. And if you could just throw a book at them or just, please, right. please just yes. read this quickly Here, and take, take a look at this and then you'll understand. Yes. Uh, and re- I really am saying that from the depth of my soul because of 
the the awful experiences that we went through and that Rebecca uh, lived with. So you are doing such a service uh, for not only your Eli, but for the entire world, uh, the world of mental health, and and to bring understanding, compassionate understanding, which is so much a part of Rebecca's dream mission statement. It's just incredible. Thank I you, want to go. Um, I want to go on because there's something else here. Do you mind the reading? No, not at all. Okay. All right. So I think it's the very next page where the wise old bear is uh, giving a fish to Eli. Uh, looks like at breakfast. Okay. And uh, he's actually old... a parent. It's one of the parents. Oh, it's and... a parent. Okay. Yes, Eli is taking a, a fish out of a little bucket. Right. And the picture on the bucket I thought was really cute because it has a prescription label. Yes. And the prescription was just eat one fish with breakfast every day. Yes. And I thought that was really cute. It um, is. And Eli's smiling and he has his hand in, in the bucket taking the fish. And as we know, it isn't always easy to uh, coerce our children into taking medication, especially when they're very young. Absolutely. Well, let me read this page. Please. <clears throat> The wise old bear told Eli and his parents that with regular help, Eli could be more like his friends. This helped Eli feel much better. All he wanted to do was to be like the other polar bears. Eli didn't want to be different. So the wise old bear gave Eli a bucket of special, tasty little fish that he could eat every morning with breakfast. The wise old bear said that the tasty fish would help with Eli's big mood changes. He also asked Eli to come back and visit him once a week so they could talk about how things were going. Eli was encouraged that he might soon feel better. Well, how did your son feel when he read that? Um, my son did not really understand the pill thing, and mm-hmm. I wasn't getting support from his father at the time mm-hmm. as far as giving medication. I am I am not somebody who pushes medication at all, um, but in my child's case, he really needed something. He needed something to help him maintain his mood and not be so sporadic and, and um, extreme. Um, so I, I looked around and, you know, I, I got what was best for him, for his size and his, you know, body type and all this, um, and the pills worked. It took a few days. He was tired at the beginning. There was some adjustment period. And he complained at the beginning. He said, Mom, these pills are making me really sleepy. Mm-hmm. But he did notice after about two weeks that he was getting better in school his friends were happier with him. The family was complimenting him. The teachers were complimenting him. And so he noticed a difference after just a short period of time. So the pills were working. And so with this section in the book, with the fish, he can relate to how that made him feel. Absolutely. Uh, how is he? May I ask? You do not have to answer this question, but uh, may I ask how he is doing with medication today at um, the age of 16, which is an, another uh, – it's, it's, being 16 is just tough all the way around. Uh, well, I, I will say that I'm very challenged right now because he is not on medicine right now. Mm-hmm. And I am struggling with that as a parent. His father did not agree with it, and Eli was getting older. And, and he, when he got to puberty, things started changing, and he needed a different dosage and kind of a new a new cocktail mixture. Um, he was not receiving that, and his father told him not to take the medicine anymore, and right now he is not on it. And so we do have some challenging behavior. Um, while he at least gets through this teenage years, I am still struggling. Yes. So I have not found all the answers. No, and I'm not sure that any of us ever will 
find all of the answers, but your son knows that how much better he felt when he he was taking uh, medication, and my hope is that he will come to that realization. So, I hope so as well, and and it is my in my desire, as you can tell from doing the book, my my job is to save my child and to educate my child and to help him survive and succeed as a as a person, and. So as long as I live, I'm going to keep plugging away trying to help him. Right now, he's going through teenage years, and I can't keep him on a medicine. But let's hope that um, let's hope that something will happen in his life that he will come back and say, "Okay, mom, I'm ready to to try to straighten myself out again." Yes, maybe that will be your next book, Eli, the Bipolar Teenage Bear. Well, I've had people request one, and I haven't written it yet because there's there's so many different things, and every week there's a new story. I could write probably a whole series. Um, but yes, I am working. I'm going to start working on. It. I should, I've got notes. <laughs> um, yeah, but the next it, book will be written. That that too is so important. You know, when when they're nine and ten and eleven, we still have a little bit of control. But once those teen years, preteen and teen years hit, it it becomes a a very complicated, complex story. That's right. Uh, so I want to go to the. I believe it's the last page. Uh, there are three polar bears. Yeah. Uh, Eli is in the middle with his uh, red hockey jersey. By the way, does he play hockey? Um, he has played hockey. He has played hockey, but he's not a hockey player. He's uh, more of a soccer player. Ah, okay. But so polar I... bears, that's the closest to soccer we're going to yeah. get, I think, up in the <laughs> polar region. <laughs> so that was very cute. Did you have to think about uh, what sports to uh to use in in the book? Um, actually, no. The illustrator took that upon himself. Uh huh. And he sent me back some pictures, and I just thought it was wonderful. I, I showed Eli the pictures, and he had to approve all of them um, before they were done. I said, "Is this okay? You know, I want to represent this correctly." He says, "No, I think hockey's cool." He'd always played street hockey, you know, just around here with kids, but uh-huh. he'd never formally played on a hockey team. So he liked the idea of hockey, and it was relatively close to soccer. So. Right forward, I thought it was a cute picture. <laughs> it, it's phenomenal, and if polar bears are going to be playing any sport, you'd think it would be hockey. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> this is this last page that I think is so fantastic. Uh, once again, I'm going to infringe on on your lovely nature. And would you please uh, read this last page for us? It for me, it, it's very uh, not just helpful, but very hopeful. Okay. A few weeks later, Eli really did feel better. He felt more like everyone else. Eli laughed when everyone else laughed. He didn't get angry or throw things like he used to, and he didn't get wild and out of control as often. The tasty fish and the talks with the wise old bear were working. There were still some days when Eli felt sad and angry, but not like before. With time, Eli's life was much easier at home, and his grades in school were better, too. Mama and Papa Bear noticed that Eli made more friends than ever before. His friends liked and trusted Eli and wanted to be around him again. Even Eli liked himself better, too. Well, there just couldn't be a better way to end this book. Even Eli liked himself better, too. Isn't that what we're hoping? That is exactly what we're hoping. And that it sticks. (laughs) For, yes, for our yes. children. I think it's going it is a it is a challenge. Bipolar disorder doesn't go away. It's not something that we can fix overnight, but it is a challenge that we're gonna to continue to cope with and work with and um we're gonna do the best we can as parents to to educate our children 
and to to lead them to have a healthy life. Absolutely. I want I want to ask you another question. You spoke of uh, your other children. Yes. And uh, for those listening to our podcast, can you speak a bit about the uh, uh, Eli siblings and how they how they all relate uh, to Eli to each other? What is converse? Is there ever conversation in the house about um, Oh, Eli, you, you're you've got this thing and anything that you can help our our listeners with? Sure, and um, siblings. We uh, I have I had. Let me start at the beginning. I have four children. At the time that Eli was diagnosed, I had three children. Um, I have adopted a teen. I adopted a teenager, you know, much later on. Um, my older son was two years older than Eli, and I had a son that was two years younger than Eli. Um, that being said, they were frustrated. The reason we initially took Eli to the doctor was because he was he was really violent with his younger brother. It was. Um, to a point where he was he was breaking things, he was hurting his long, younger brother. Um, I was struggling all the time because I didn't know you know what to do with this child, and it was dangerous. And I felt like if I left the room, something might happen. Is he going to hurt his brother? Is he not going to hurt his brother? Um, and my mother was growing concerned because she watched my children when I wasn't around, and she said, "I'm really worried that she's going to kill. He's going to kill him. You know, I don't know what to do about this." So there was an issue, and my my older son, um, he wanted to protect everybody. He was the peacemaker in the household, and he wanted to do whatever he could so that his little brother, you know, Eli, didn't get in trouble, and his other little brother didn't get killed in the meantime. So it was a constant challenge around the house. They understood because I was, you know, talking to them all the time about, you know, what was going on with Eli and, you know, be nice to him, and it was tough. It was tough. So anyway, Eli was was trying to understand what he was going through. His brothers were very challenged trying to figure out what he was going through, and it was dangerous, and he was hurting people. And um, I mean, his brothers, not other people, but... And what ages were they at, at, at this time? Um, let's see, when Eli was nine, Josh would have been 11, and Tommy would have been seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me read you a couple of quotes here from this story um, that the our local newspaper wrote on him, and this is in July of 2005. Eli has deep brown eyes that dance with giddy liveliness. Those same eyes can flame into rage and settle into dark pools of hollow despair. It can happen really fast, the 12-year-old boy, the Norfolk boy says. I can go through everything in an hour. It has been six years since he was first diagnosed with bipolar disorder, a mental condition of radical mood swings that six years of wrestling down emotions wrecking rooms, upending friendships, but also six years of figuring out how to describe what's going on inside his adolescent self. And then Eli goes on to say, I took every emotion to the extreme. That was me. If I thought something was funny, I'd laugh for ten minutes. Everyone else would have a little chuckle, and I'd keep laughing and enjoying myself. Eli describes the flip side, too. When other people get disappointed, they just get angry. And they get over it, he says. When I get mad, I break something. I break it to where it's unfixable. When I hurt someone's feelings, I couldn't just apologize like other people do. It was always worse than that. Oh, mine. He was nine when he... He was nine when he was diagnosed. Um, this was... Let's see. He was, he was 13 when this article was written. Oh, my goodness. That's such insight. Such he, he, 
Yes, yes. Um, and then she, she goes on to ask him, you know, what he thought about the book, and and he said um, it was really funny to me because it was my life. And I'm pretty sure that there's more than one person that has bipolar disorder. Very articulate. He was. He was. He was. He spoke very well. Um, I'm looking down here in this article as well for something. Other areas in the book that are, are in this. Excuse me, in this article. Um, one of his teachers um, said that he came to her with distant, hollow-like eyes and said, "I have to go home, or I'm going to get in trouble." And I remember that day really well. He called me from the school and he says, Mom, you have to come get me right now. And I said, why? He says, because I'm going to get in trouble. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble, Mom. I can't control myself right now. You have to come and get me. Mm. Um, and then after he was on, this is when he was actually on medication that he was interviewed by this um, reporter. And he says, on the medicine, I don't freak out as much. Um, it's not like it's some big mystery. <laughs> I mean, just little quotes that he said. Um, I still get angry, but not as bad. I still do some of the things, and I get sad, and I've considered killing myself. Hmm. I've come a long way from smashing things, breaking things, and having people mad at me. Now my grades are coming up, sort of. So it, these are just some of the quotes from this article, and uh, you know, it, I, I go back and read it, and it. Oh, it oh, sorry. It's all right. It's hard to. It's hard. It's very hard. I don't know if if you would agree with me or not, Sharon, but it seems to me that those of our children who live with uh, bipolar that used to be called manic depression yes. are the best, the brightest, the most articulate, the uh, most empathic. Um, folks around they seem to have a sixth sense not only about themselves but about others around them uh, my daughter did uh, Eli's very bright and very articulate and I think he's absolutely brilliant yes uh, and I know my daughter uh, was exactly that in fact she would get into trouble uh, in her teen years uh, zeroing in on some of her girlfriends who were uh, going through eating disorders and uh, lots of different things, and Rebecca just somehow knew, called them out on it, and of course that ended a relationship. Uh, so it does uh, take the uh, capability to monitor one's thoughts, uh, along with the with the empathy and and the uh, sometimes all knowing, all seeing uh, sensitivity that our children have, along with. Everything else that goes with bipolar. I wonder if Eli would feel that way. Um, I think he might. I think he might. He he definitely is perceptive, and he can read a room when he walks in, and he understands people when he sees them. Yes. Which he's much better at than I am. Yes. Well, the same thing with my daughter. It was almost a psychic ability. I, I don't want to stretch this too far or <laughs> put words out there that may not be so, but... Uh, I know that's the way it was uh, for for Rebecca. Sharon, uh, what would you like to share with us that I have not uh, asked you? Uh, is there anything else in the uh, wonderful 
book, Eli, the Bipolar Bear, that you would like to share with us? Any thoughts that you have? Um, just that, in, in, in the very beginning of the book, I talk about how Eli Eli was born early. He was born a little prematurely, which had nothing to do with bipolar disorder, which some people have commented, Sharon, does that have anything to do with it? It doesn't. When he was little, the doctors did not know that there would be anything wrong with him. And I think people also need to understand it's not something they're going to be able to diagnose at birth or when a child is just small. You know, they're going to come home from the hospital being as healthy as every other child. Um, Warning signs, I would think, when he was small, other than his super, he was super intelligent at a very young age. Um, But he, he also had anger issues at a much younger age than my other children did. Um, and not that every child is supposed to be the same by by no means do I ever expect that, but his anger was intense, and he had a lot of warning signs at early ages that maybe other kids did not. Did your know. pediatrician pick up on anything? No, mm-hmm. no, because he could turn it on and off pretty easily. He was very, very smart. So we went to the doctor, and he he would go in and go through his physical and be just fine. Um, Eli had some other medical conditions because of his prematurity, so he saw a lot more doctors. Yeah, he had some respiratory failure as a baby, and he was in the hospital quite a bit. And, um, but he, as, as a baby, with his moods the way they were, and who knew you know, at that time that he was bipolar or whatever, but when he got angry in the hospital, he would rip the IVs out with his teeth. Oh, my gosh. Um, he would, he, he, was, yeah, he had extreme, they had to put him in a straitjacket in the hospital because he could not be controlled as a one-year-old. They had to have four people hold him down. Mm-hmm. But um, again, I, it was almost like he was tortured. The poor thing, because he really had to be at the hospital quite a bit for his respiratory problems, and and they had to put needles in him, and they had to you know do things to him. But again, not so much pertaining to bipolar disorder, but himself. So I, I think that he had some reservations about doctors to start off with, and he learned really quickly how to work a doctor. Yes, to his advantage. Yes, and when he was going through his psychological screenings when he was a little bit older. He came home, and, and he'd been in for a two-hour um, psychological test, and I said, well, what happened? You know, what did you do? And he said, Mom, it was the funnest thing I've ever done in my whole life. And I said, really? Well, what happened? He said, they would give me stories, and I would get to finish the story. I would get to tell my side of what the story was, or they would show me a picture, and I would get to make a whole story up about what that picture was. And he liked telling stories, and he's very, very good, and he has a wonderful imagination. So... His psychological testing to him was this wonderful, fun, exciting thing to do. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, uh, do you think that, uh, well, the the question is, has uh, Eli ever talked about writing his own story? He has talked about it. I don't know that he ever will. He doesn't follow through on a lot of the plans he's got in life. But mm-hmm. That could be something to do with being a 16-year-old boy as well. Right. Um, right. Right now his goals are, you know, driving a car and, you know, <laughs> going on dates. So. <laughs> so he has his license already. He does have a driver's license, yes. Uh, sleepless nights for mom. Absolutely. But three of my four children are driving, so, you know, I, when my youngest one wants to drive desperately. <laughs> oh, my lots goodness. Lots of sleepless nights. Lots, lots of them. Just give up the idea of sleep. <laughs> yes. Sharon, what would you like to say to our listening audience as a final um, words of wisdom? Words of wisdom. Love your children. Love them no matter what. Um, 
If you can help them in any way, shape, or form, then do it. If you can't find a resource for your child, create the resource. But always love them. My mother said you can't fail with a child if you love them. And I think sometimes we just get frustrated because of all the behaviors and the different challenges that our children are going through. Sometimes it's easy to kind of say, gosh, I just need to throw in the towel. I just need a break. But you can't. You have to keep on going for your child's sake. And you have to just keep helping them and keep loving them no matter what. And no matter what the age. And no matter what the age. Thank you, Sharon Bracken Little. Eli the Bipolar Bearer is just the most wonderful gift you have given to uh, children, to their parents, to the society at large. And on behalf of Rebecca's Dream Family Center and the DBSA, I personally thank you from the bottom of my heart, wishing that I had had such a book when my child was growing up. Uh, well, thank you for this opportunity. This has really been a joy to be able to talk to you and, and share with you what, what I've gone through and, and why I created my story. You are a, a marvel and a wonder, and uh, we all wish you uh, strength and health and the best that life has to offer. Thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for being with us.